I'm Matt. And I'm Jenna. We are Mana. And this is Food for Thought. A podcast dedicated to encourage and inspire you as you seek to grow your relationship with Christ and live out your Catholic faith. found out that I'm colorblind. Oh, you did? Yeah, it came totally out of the purple. <laughs> out of the purple instead of out of the blue. Uh, yep, colorblind jokes. Yay! Yay! Hello everyone, welcome Hello. to episode 11. Here we are. Jenna, would you like to start with your joy junk Jesus? Yes, but I also want to give people an understanding of what's going on today that may sound different to you. I lost my keys. I don't know where they are. They could be in the fridge. I checked like six times. They're probably in my car, locked in my car. Um, I just can't find them. So we had to record at my house. So if it sounds different, we apologize. It's my fault. Blame me. (laughs) Um, So my joy this week, um, my husband just started a podcast called Space Bit Messier. If you like space or you know nothing about space, go check it out. Um, he, his co-host could not record with him this week, and so I got to record, um, alongside my husband on a podcast that he's doing, and it was really, really fun, and we had a lot of fun and laughs, so that was my joy. My junk, um, was that we were both in not the greatest mood the other day, and so we went, um, garage sale shopping, and it was the poopiest garage sale shopping I've ever seen. Aww. People don't know how to garage sale anymore. <laughs> it's really sad. It's like they have a table and they have like four things on it that are unnecessary and they're trash. And so just throw it away. Um, don't try and sell it. But it just made everything worse. And so our, our mood just went poor. And um, I don't know. It just made our day really poopy. And so it was it's hard. amazing how just one bad garage sale. Just, just- one! <laughs> Or 16. <clears throat> Stupid. But it's okay. We have bad days and we hug it out and we love each other anyways. And it's fine now. Um, we just won't go garage sale shopping. <laughs> and then my Jesus moment was, um, I know I've talked about this on a previous podcast, but we, or we, I have been doing the Blessed Is She Lenten journal. Um, and... More recently, it's been harder to just journal and want to do it. Mm-hmm. And so I was, it's really nice because they do little like spots where if you forgot to do it or you just were too busy and you didn't do it throughout the week, um, they will have like a pause in your week and you can reflect and look back. And so that was <laughs> cat. Also, if you heard weird noises, it's my cat. He's <laughs> <laughs> currently in the blinds. Stop. Um, so they do little pauses in the week where you can look back at what they've talked about. And so Mm -hmm. I was doing that and they said, go to any of the women that we've reflected on in this Lent. And so, um, I did that and I just got so much more from that reflection than I was expecting. I was expecting Mm -hmm. just to be like really bored and just not wanting to do it because my heart wasn't really in it. Um, and it was just really, really beautiful because it showed a different light 
and a different aspect that my heart was closed off to that this woman in this reflection was extremely open to and it was really really beautiful so my jesus moment was how god just continually opens my eyes to new things even though i've seen it before what about you matt my joy is that there is a cat (laughs) benny is just and he's so unusual (laughs) he's very different yeah um (laughs) So, I love that. But my joy is also, well, let me do my Jesus first because, so we had an XLT last night at my parish and it was just really beautiful um, leading worship for that and um, we had the awesome Chika Anyanwu come and speak. Chika, shout out to Chika. That's our 13th shout out. Aww. Aww. And um, so if you don't know who she is, she just wrote a book um, about her encounter with the Lord and it's a nice little uh, pocket kind of prayer guide. Um, that you can get, um, I think on lifeteen.com. Um, but, and she's a speaker and she travels around. So, um, she has stuff that you can go check out. Um, but the XLT just as a whole was just such a beautiful, um, such a beautiful one. I, we've done several before and none of them have been bad, obviously, but this yeah. one was just like, um, there's just something different about it. Like the vibe in the room was just very open and ready and, mm-hmm. um, prayerful. And you could just tell people had like very, deep and intense prayerful experiences last night that yeah. weren't just about like the feeling or the experience, but really like they transformational, really like, you know, yeah. um, opportunities and experiences with, with God. So, um, so that's my Jesus. And I had to say that first because my joy <laughs> was after we got to go to steak and shake and I got to eat a Frisco melt. And if you've never had a Frisco <laughs> melt from steak and shake before, Prepare to have your life changed. It's really delicious. It, oh my it. gosh. There's this sauce on it, and I don't know what it's made of. It, probably ambrosia, which not like the ambrosia? actual... That's like the food of the gods in Greek mythology, oh, but that's okay. not real. So, like, I don't know. It's amazing. Um, it wasn't so, the footlong hot dog that you weren't expecting? No. I also had a footlong, and I thought it was just going to be a hot dog, but it was really a footlong. Like, more it than a footlong. quite large. And so that was not my joy because I didn't want to eat that much food. But anyways, and then my junk is that hot dog. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) My junk is that we're going to be moving. um, And that's great because we just bought a house, which is amazing. But I hate moving so much because I'm so organized and everything has a place. And nothing will make me more frantic than putting everything in boxes and having to find new places for everything. So... And then all of the different things that come along with that. So, um, yeah, pray for me because that's not my favorite thing to do. Um, but <laughs> I don't want to complain about it. Why don't I want to complain about it, Jenna? Maybe because we're talking about complaining today. I don't want to talk about complaining. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Complaining is the best. No, complaining is the worst. And we're going to talk about... I scared the cat. We're going to talk about... Um, that today we're going to talk about what is the effect of things like complaining, whining, criticism of yourself or of others on your spiritual life. Because mm-hmm. that's something that's so prevalent um, just in the world because we're so particular and we see so much of other people and our life is put on display on social media. Um, and we live in a very competitive and materialistic world and it's kind of all about what's that little edge? What's that little more that you can get over that person to achieve or to be better? Uh, we're kind of programmed that way in, in our culture. And so I think this is just part of who we are and it kind of bleeds into our spiritual life because we, we keep that sense of, of competition and stuff like ministry, 
music, yeah. worship, prayer, like, am I praying? Am I, am I as holy as that person is, you know, in comparison? And so today we're going to be talking about that. And we're basically just going to talk about why do we complain and talk about four different reasons I think that we complain and why and how they're detrimental to our spiritual life. And so those four things are insecurity, inconvenience, importance, and injustice. And mm -hmm. if you don't know what those four things mean in that regard, we'll break them each down when we get to them. But let's talk about the first one because I think it's probably the most prevalent reason why people complain. Yeah. And that's insecurity. And we complain and we criticize especially other things or other people because that person or that thing or that experience is challenging us in such a way that we're realizing like or feeling insecure. Mm -hmm. Like it's challenging us and making us feel like, oh, that person is doing something that makes me uncomfortable or I could do that better or this, you know, that's what we start to think. I could do that better. Why they do it this way? That's not how it's supposed to be done, whether it's in your workplace or at church or whatever it might be. Um, we get into that kind of nitpickiness, especially when we have just this spirit of criticism about us because I think we're really dealing with unhealed wounds about who we are. Like we're so self-critical mm -hmm. that instead of dealing with that, everything is external. Mm -hmm. Like what around me is not going well. And obviously there's a difference between constructive criticism and looking at things and seeing, okay, how can we make <clears throat> this so much better? And how yeah. can we make, you know, we work faith or if you're in youth ministry, how can we make this youth ministry better or whatnot? But yeah, complaining <laughs> when you are in a place where you're insecure and you're like, oh, that's really bad. Like, oh, I, I could do that so much better. Or even complaining when you're so insecure um, to get attention. I feel like that's mm. also another side of it is you complain so that somebody can tell you and reassure you like, no, 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 you are so beautiful. Or like, yeah. oh, I just don't think I'm that pretty. Oh, I no, no, no. And like, yeah. you like look for that. Um, security of somebody reaffirming you in that. Yeah, it's obvious when you take a step back and you look at that statement, it's like, okay, what are you really expecting? Mm -hmm. Like, you're really not opening that question up for the other person to be like, yeah, you're right, you're butt ugly. Like, like no. <laughs> it's not no, the response you want. That's not the one that you're looking for. <laughs> like, you're not, like, asking an objective question, like, please tell me, no emotional response, no, like, full honesty here. Right. What's going on with my face right now? Or, like, you know, like, yeah. how do I appear or am I good at this? Like we very rarely come at it from that perspective that we're looking for validation because we really have a deep sense of like, maybe I'm not good enough. Mm -hmm. And that really comes from the fact that like, none of us are like, we need a savior. That, that's the definition of being a Christian is like, none of us are good enough to get into heaven on our own. That's why Jesus had to come and die for us. Yeah. But we have this like tendency to put on this external show to say like, no, everything's good. Like I'm, I've got everything together. I'm perfect. Like I'm, I'm really good at having all my ducks in a row. Like that's something I'm really guilty of. Like I'm, I'm very organized and I, I like it when people notice that because I think it's a, something that I'm, I'm really good at and that, um, it's a gift. Yeah. Me. That is, a, is one of my, I guess, spiritual gifts in a sense. <laughs> But when people notice that... Spiritual gift of Excel sheets. <laughs> I mean, like, administration organization. <laughs> I do have my... One of my love languages is, is Excel sheets. Um, but it's... I, I don't take the opportunity in those moments when people are like, oh my gosh, Matt, like, you have your, your life together. 
why does it seem like, you know, everything is good for you and like my life is falling apart? And I don't really have these conversations, but like, you know, like I feel like that's what is being said to me when people validate that. And sometimes I just take it like too much to my pride and like, yeah, like things are going well. Like I am organized. I'm not stressed out. Um, but there's a lot of other things that I need to be working on and a lot of other insecurities that I need to make sure stay at the surface in the forefront of my prayer life mm-hmm. and that don't allow me to bolster other parts to just make me feel better about that. Because then that insecurity is going to linger and I'm going to continue to complain or criticize when that moment um, presents itself. Um, there's this great story in the, in the Gospel of John chapter 5 where um, this was the Gospel last Tuesday, I think, where there's a person who it was in Jerusalem at the pool uh, called Siloam. Um, and or is that what it's called? I think so. Something like that. I'm trying to find it in my Bible at the moment. But this guy is there and he's been ill for 38 years. And Jesus, he comes and he says, do you want to be well? And the sick man answered him, sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. While I'm on the way, someone else gets down there before me. And then Jesus says, rise up, take up your mat and walk. And the man becomes well. And then there becomes this whole um, kind of criticism that comes in. is like, why is Jesus healing on the Sabbath? Mm-hmm. And this guy doesn't know who Jesus was, so he can't help the Pharisees. But later he sees Jesus in the marketplace. And what does he do? He goes right back to the Pharisees and is like, that's the dude. That's the guy that healed me. And I was reflecting on this gospel. And I was like, this guy... It's like, it's full of excuses. Like, I, I'm sorry, like, it's been 38 years and I just can't get to the pool faster than anybody else. Like, 38 years? You couldn't, like, get there early? You couldn't get a little bit closer than everybody else? Like, and when Jesus says, do you want to be well? The guy doesn't say yes. Mm-hmm. He throws an excuse out there. He says, it's been 38 years. I, I can't, I can't ever get down there before anybody else. Yeah. And so Jesus takes the excuse away. And he says, okay, I'm going to heal your body. And what's left then is still the insecurity of the spirit that's left. And so he starts to critique and nitpick and create this opportunity for the Pharisees to go after Jesus. And I just saw that like so much in preparing for this, this podcast that just like totally made me see that story in a new light. Mm -hmm. Like the danger of what it means to complain. We can make all these excuses. And even if we are dealing with something legitimate, if that were to be taken away, like what would be left? You know, then we'd be just this negative, critical, complaining person. And so uh, in Lamentations, if you're ever uh, in, a, in a very emo mood, go read Lamentations. Emo mood. <laughs> um, it's the lament of the prophet Jeremiah at the des- destruction of the temple in Jerusalem. But uh, in Lamentations chapter 3, verse 39, uh, it says this, What should the living complain about? <laughs> about their sins. Yeah. And it's like, boom, mic drop. Like, that's all that we have the right to complain about is like, and it's not a sense like, oh my gosh, I can't like change this. Like, I'm just stuck in my sin. I can't do that. But it's like a, no, I need a savior. Like, I'm, I'm not whining, but I am recognizing that there is a lack in my own heart, in my own life that I cannot fill. There's definitely a difference. And it's, it's when we complain, kind of like this, this guy did, he, he complained and it gives him the excuse to excuse his sin, that it's okay. Mm-hmm. It's okay because mm, this. It's okay because I just couldn't. It's okay because I was just too busy. It's okay because it was just too hard. Um, and so we complain, and Lamentations is saying, like, no, 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 no. 
you can complain about your sin, but there's no excuse to it. Yes. You have to, you have to work towards it. It's going to be uncomfortable. It's going to be hard, but there's no excuse to it. You can still seek holiness and move forward. And it's that constructive, like I had said before, it's that constructive looking at it and saying, okay, this is what the reality is. How can we do better? How can I move forward? How can I achieve holiness despite how horrible this is and despite how hard this is? Yeah. I think, yeah, that's the difference between the recognition of like constructive, let's say complaining, even though I don't like to use that word because it has just such a negative connotation, but a recognition that things are not as they should be. And so that's like the sin in our lives. Like that's Mm -hmm. not as it should be. That's constructive. Complaining and whining as we're talking about it that's unhealthy for the spiritual life is basically a lament of the fact that things aren't the way that you want them to be. Mm. And that's totally different because that all has to do with comfort and how willing we are to just be set in our sin and not change our ways and deflect the blame and the attention to something or someone else. Mm -hmm. It says in the book of James uh, chapter 5 verse 9, do not complain brothers about one another that you may not be judged. And I don't think that means necessarily that, oh, if you complain, then you're going to go to hell. Like you're a sinner, you're going to be judged. But I think it's saying if you're spending so much of your time worrying and complaining about what other people are doing, you're not really reconciling what's in your own heart. And that's going to be brought before the judgment seat when your time comes before Jesus. And if you've spent so much time nitpicking at other people and not trying to perfect your own heart and your own soul, then you're probably going to be in trouble. Mm. Um, St. Augustine said, the wicked exist in this world either to be converted or that through them, the good may exercise patience. And so... Ouch! Yes, yeah. So if we're complaining, it's either we need to really be converted, we really need to repent, or we're basically just giving other people the chance to be patient with us because we're just being awful, like, complaining humans. Oh my gosh, ouch. Um, Yeah. So another quote I love, this is St. Vincent de Paul. And this is a reminder of that we need this perpetual... Um, sense of that, that we're not, things are not as they should be and that we're never going to reach that aspect of perfection. So we need to constantly be looking inward before we look outward. St. Vincent de Paul said, what was the life of Christ, but a perpetual humiliation. And that as Christians, if we want to be what that word says, little Christ Christians, Mm -hmm. that we need to be willing to be humiliated. Mm -hmm. And the root word of that is humble. Like we need to look inward and focus on our faults. And it's, you know, that definition of humility. Um, it's not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. Um, and so not necessarily thinking of myself in the sense that I don't need to work on what I'm doing mm-hmm. wrong. I'm going to, I'm going to work on what everyone else is doing wrong. Um, that's not the type of thinking of yourself less. It's really knowing that like, okay, no, I, this life is not about me. Yeah. And once we recognize that we're not going to be nitpicking other People and things externally in the world, we're going to be looking for the opportunity to serve and the opportunity to build up and make things better. Um, But what this does, if we let this insecurity creep in, it hurts our relationships and it just makes us more and more insecure. Um, Chica had said last night, and it was a refresher for me, um, that doing that will bring us true joy, Mm. looking at all of those things that they're they're not supposed to be extremely painful where you're saying woe is me but there's they're actually going to bring you joy because you're focusing on jesus first then others then yourself and you're realigning and reestablishing the correct order of how we're supposed to be living and that will bring you 
true, pure joy. And you won't be looking at your insecurities. You won't be looking at the things that are hard or um, don't bring you as much comfort as often. You'll be looking at everything else outside of yourself and removing your eyes from yourself, which is so hard for us to do today when everything is so selfish and so self-focused. Yeah. But truly looking outside at Christ, where he's working, where he wants us to be working, and then in other people's lives of not nitpicking, like you said, and not judgmental, but truly like, how can I assist you to heaven? How can I how can I work with you so that we both can carry each other to heaven? And then, okay, what sins do I need to work on? What things do I need to remove from my life to... Um, continue to create that bond and relationship with Christ and others. Yeah. It's different. Yeah. And we live in such a sensitive world now because I think so many people have just looked at the world and the advent of social media and just have this idea like, okay, I'm the only one that's struggling with this. I'm the only Mm -hmm. one that's dealing with this. And so there's this hypersensitivity that we forget that we're not the only ones who are insecure. And when people come at us with anger, with criticism, with frustration, with their own, you know, complaining about us, that's probably coming from a place of their own deep hurt and their own deep insecurity. And if we're able to recognize that, then real healing and reconciliation could happen. There was this really awesome thing that happened a while back um, where some guy tweeted Sarah Silverman, who's a comedian, not always the cleanest or appropriate, but tweeted her some awful insult. And instead of just rifling or responding right back she looked at his profile and saw that he'd been really struggling with um can't remember what it was it was depression or ptsd or anxiety or something and reached out to him and said um hey i i looked at your profile and saw that you were really struggling and yeah i'd probably be looking at a lot of the things i said negatively too if i had to deal with all this stuff like Mm. uh, and and tried to relate with him and they ended up having this great conversation on twitter for the world to see and a lot of people were really like healed by this this reaching out even though they weren't involved in it. And so I think if we can look past our own securities and recognize in those moments that other people have them too, then real reconciliation can happen. And that goes into our next one, which is about inconvenience. And that really has to do with we complain when things are inconvenient, especially when there's suffering mm-hmm. in our lives. We refuse to see the purpose behind it or how it could be redemptive. And instead, we just kind of sit in it um, and wish that it could be better, but we don't do anything actively to heal or Mm -hmm. to make it better in any sense that we have control. It says in Philippians chapter two, do everything without grumbling or questioning that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you shine like the lights in the world. You see, when we recognize that this is coming, this complaining is coming from a place of suffering of inconvenience and we can offer that and shine like a light and see the joy in the difficult situations then we're going to shine like those lights yeah. and people are going to recognize that but otherwise we're not going to be able to see the power of redemptive suffering yeah there's a, a leah darrow has a podcast um episode i think what is her podcast do something beautiful yeah um everybody should go check it out there's a young lady that she interviewed I think a couple months months ago, um, who is Catholic and she's struggling with same-sex attraction. Um, and rather than what oftentimes we see of of people that struggle with this, of just turning away from the church and, and deciding like what the world says and what you're feeling 
um, is, I don't want to say accurate, but is, is better than listening to everything else, Mm. um, and not seeking what like the church says or, um, what truth says, we just kind of shut everything out. So what she did was she came on the podcast and it was really, really beautiful because she was struggling. I think she go, she went to Franciscan, um, university and she looked at theology, of the body, and she goes on and she talks about, yes, this suffering is extremely hard. Yes. This cross that I'm carrying is really, really difficult, especially in our world today. But Christ has given me such a beautiful gift of carrying this cross mm-hmm. and how I have learned how much of a daughter of God I am and how much he truly loves me through this and how this doesn't define me as, and um, like how, how much I want others to know that if you're carrying this cross, it is good and you are good. Um, but we have to carry it properly and we have to make sure that we're informing ourselves because with any kind of sin, we tend to fall into the idea that if we just close our eyes and sh- like close our ears and just bury ourselves into this little hole, everything will be okay. Mm-hmm. But that's not what we need to be doing. We need to open ourselves up and look at every single aspect of that sin and how the church one wants to, us to heal from it and like the truth that wants to be spoken into it. Mm-hmm. And so it was really, really beautiful to listen to that podcast. I highly recommend listening to that episode. I don't know what episode it is, but <laughs> I'm sorry, um, it just came to me while we were talking about this, but our inconvenience of our sin and our suffering in our sin makes us closed off to everything. And the devil, that's like the devil's greatest tool is just to make you shut down and close your eyes and close your ears and bury yourself. Don't do that. We need to be open to the truth, even if it hurts really, really badly. Yeah. And it doesn't make sense in the moment. Yeah. St. Francis of Sales said, um, Many would be willing to have afflictions provided that they not be inconvenienced by them. Um, And what was great, you heard in our last episode about Padre Pio, um, he, when he had the stigmata, he didn't ask for the pain to be removed. He just asked for the signs of the stigmata to be removed. He was fine with the inconvenience of the pain. And that's really what we need to be looking for. But our world is so good at just saying that you're going to be comforted and healed if you just put a label on it and identify it and then just let it be. That it's like nothing should feel out of order in your life. And if it does, you need to totally explore it, put a label on it, and then identify by it completely. And then your whole life will be great. And that's really the worst possible thing that we could do. Because basically you're just saying like, okay, this is what it is. I'm going to put a Band-Aid on it. Everything's fine. And yet if there's something really going on under the surface, like if you think medical terms, you know, maybe you have bruising that appeared out of nowhere um, and it's starting to spread over your body. And someone's just like, oh, just put an ice pack on it and the swelling on the surface of your skin will go down. Um, You wouldn't be like, okay, cool. You'd probably be like, actually, I think I'm bleeding internally. So (laughs) could you please get me to a surgeon? And Christ is the surgeon. Christ is the ultimate surgeon. He's the healer. And so I think if we're dealing with anything, any type of habitual sin, any type of struggle of identity, um, it's so much better to not just sit in this place where we're like, well, it's inconvenient for me to not know what this is and not put a label on it. Uh, So I'm going to put a label on it and it's going to be fixed. And then realize like, no, it's not going to be fixed. But to really explore like, okay, is this all I want my life to be about? Mm -hmm. Is this label? Is this all I want to define myself as? Mm -hmm. You know, uh, do I want to be Matt the alcoholic? Do I want to be Matt the sex addict? Do I want to be Matt 
the homosexual? Do I want to be Matt the transgender? Do I want to be Matt the heterosexual? Like whatever it is. And that's my label. That's what I carry. And suddenly this inconvenience or this thing that I've been struggling with internally is going to be healed. Yeah. Um, and exactly what you said, like we listen to all these things of the world, um, whether it might be church, whether it might be culture, whether it might be all these different things pulling us in different directions. And we just pick one and we listen to them and we say, okay, here's my salvation. And then we don't recognize that like, no, only Jesus can give us our salvation. And he is so much more than whatever label we can put on ourselves. The only label that really matters is son of God, daughter of God. Mm -hmm. And once we recognize that that's where our wholeness and our our harmony exists, something very beautiful can happen. Um, St. John of the Cross said, whenever anything disagreeable or displeasing happens to you, remember Christ crucified and be silent. There's a lot of mic drop saint quotes on this episode. I just like remember like if you're really struggling with an inconvenience or a suffering, instead of complaining about like remember that Jesus died on the cross. So A, he understands what you're going through and you can go to him in this and seek reconciliation, seek healing, seek purification, seek transformation. But also to recognize like anything that you're going through, like he probably went through worse and he didn't complain one step of the way. Instead, he said, forgive them, father. They know not what they do. Mm-hmm. Even when they were saying, oh, look, he's about to call down Elijah or call down the angels. Like, why don't you do this? Jesus call down the angels. He stayed there and he was humble and he allowed the suffering to happen because he knew there was a purpose. And so I just want to encourage you, like if you feel stuck in some type of suffering, some type of habitual sin, some type of uh, crisis of identity to just allow yourself to invite Jesus into that and see yourself as a whole person, as a child of God and not feel pressured to listen to what the world says and to listen to what a group says or culture says or the media says and just really explore like who am I as a son or daughter of God and how am I letting Jesus save me? Instead of just sitting in it and being like, well, I can't do anything about it. Or, well, this, I guess this is just who I am. Mm -hmm. Um, Because that's just putting a Band-Aid and not a very good Band-Aid over what could be a very deep wound that only Jesus can heal. Um, I feel like it's an infected Band-Aid. You're slapping on something with a ton of bacteria. I found this tetanus Band-Aid in (laughs) the trash can. put it on. This will work just great. Really good. But... And I'm going to complain for a second, but <laughs> it's just frustrating when, and I do this too. It's not, it's not that we don't complain. That's the uh, disclaimer. Matt and I complain. I'm pregnant. I complain a lot. Everything hurts. It's hard, but it's it, when we complain, it's not changing our situation Yeah. at all. It's making it worse because now we're like looking at it and we're disgusted or we're upset and we're frustrated and it's not going anywhere. In a sense, it's making it worse because we're letting it fester and then ripple effect into conversations into other people's lives around us. And that's so toxic and that's so, it's just not beneficial to anything or anyone. And especially if it's in your workplace and you're complaining about other people. I have a friend that um, I love it because she's told me multiple times when you're working in a workplace, if somebody comes up to you and is about to complain about another person, always stop them and say, is this going to change my my idea of this person or how I view this person? Mm. If it is, please don't. Like, wow. uh, yeah. So, so good. Yeah. <laughs> and one, it's really hard to do that because we just want to be in the know and we want to like, we want all the juicy gossip sometimes, yeah. but it's not beneficial to anyone or anything. What? Are you My brain at? is just like, 
But what if that person was trying to tell you that that other person is a serial killer and you're their next victim? Okay, that's <laughs> and, I was, and you're like, Stop. if this is going to change my opinion of this person, please don't tell me. And they'll be like, um, okay. They're going to kill you. <laughs> is it going to change my idea? No, of that's probably not going to happen. Don't worry. It's okay. That's not going to happen. But that's just, yeah. Complaining doesn't take us anywhere. Yeah. It doesn't move us anywhere. It doesn't change your situation. In fact, it just kind of invites people into the the junk of it. And we all have that friend that complains about everything and that won't, like, do anything to make their life go forward Mm -hmm. or make anything better. They just want everyone to be like, yeah, that's true. I'm really sorry. Like, do you want to lean on my shoulder and you want to hug and do you want me to pay all my attention to you? Like, that's that's what they're really looking for. And it goes back to that insecurity, our first point. Like, these are all kind of related in a sense that if you take a step back and you look at it, like, our life isn't meant to be comfortable. Mm-hmm. Like, nowhere in the world or in, Bi- in the Bible or anywhere did anyone ever say everything in your life is supposed to be absolutely perfect and if it's not... That's terrible. I think that was in actually the book of BS. <laughs> BS chapter one, chapter verse one. one. You know? Yeah, maybe Garden of Eden, plan A, that was it. But we're at plan like triple Z at this point. Because like, and God is still working and God is still making his plans come about through the crappy free will decisions that we make in, uh, in turning away from him. But nothing no perfect life is promised on this earth on this side of heaven and so we have to recognize like when suffering happens that that's just part of life Mm -hmm. and yes we can grieve we need to mourn we need to grieve we need to um, deal with the suffering but if it's starting to become toxic like maybe we need to go to therapy and there's nothing wrong with that like Mm -hmm. psychiatrists are trained to help you get back into like homeostasis into a normal amount of balance and to not let this become your whole life but to allow it to be a part of your life that is maybe fueling you into seeing how it could be joyful or how it could be um, life-changing in a good way, or also just to deal with it and to allow it to be something that isn't ruling your life unnecessarily and that you can go on doing your responsibilities and loving your family and laughing and having you know great experiences. So um, that's inconvenience. So we've talked about insecurity, inconvenience, And now I think a big one is importance. And this has to do with our pride. I think we complain a lot when our pride is threatened because I I see this a lot in ministry. Um, I see this a lot at ministry events and especially with worship leaders. It's very rare for you to hear one worship leader or one youth minister praise another person in Mm -hmm. that same field and say like, oh yeah, they are so awesome. And I think it's because there's this like sense of competition and sense of insecurity that, um, in the back of our head, in our back of our minds, there's this lingering, like I could probably do that better. Why Mm -hmm. wasn't I asked? Mm -hmm. Uh, Why wasn't I asked to do this? And so instead of realizing like, Hey guys, we're all on the same team, (laughs) Jesus's team. And when we're complaining, And not offering that praise, but allowing that criticism and that almost like um, contentious um, feeling toward that person to build up. We're actually going against Jesus's mission and we're creating division within the church or within our lives where there should be unity. Um, In Ephesians chapter four, it says, no foul language shall come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for needed edification that it may impart grace to those who hear. So basically, 
If you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. That's basically what Paul is saying. So if you wonder where that phrase came from, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. Um, <laughs> in the book of Jude, which I love because we never, ever hear from the book of Jude. It's so short. But if you have like literally a minute, go read the book of Jude. It's like a chapter. Um, all the way in the back of the Bible, right before Revelation. Uh, it says this in chapter 1, verse 16. These people are complainers. Disgruntled ones who live by their desires. Their mouths utter bombast as they fawn over people to gain advantage. Um, And to me, that is so like our culture. Um, Because everything, as I said, is put on display on social media, we're so quick to criticize and complain and do all these things. Um, And I think part of that is insecurity. Part of that is when our life doesn't look that way because of inconvenience. But another part of that is, why isn't that me? Why Why don't I have those things? Why wasn't I asked to do this? Why wasn't I invited? Why doesn't my ministry look like that? Why doesn't my prayer life look like that? Why doesn't my faith seem like as put together as that person? Why doesn't my life seem like it's falling into place like so-and-so? Why am I making as much money as them? I'm smarter than them. You know, we have all of these different things that come up and it's just that like, why not me situation. I, <laughs> I want to be nice. Um, that's really our culture right now. And that's kind of the, the group that is being raised right now in this time is I see it way too, oh, there's a baby. Um, I see it way too often in my youth groups that if I say, oh, we're going to do this, there's a lot of like, uh, (laughs) what is wrong with you first? I said, we're going to go outside. Like, I'm sorry. You have to stand up. You have to move. walk two feet just get up and walk two feet it's not a big deal or i don't know it's it's i think that's an inconvenience thing it is that it's that but like oh my gosh okay i'm done yeah that's all i had to say i mean you (laughs) see this when like let's say you're working on something with someone else or you're really having a deep conversation with someone about your life or about how things are going um and you're asking for advice or you're trying to make things better yeah there are certain people who are only going to point out the negative yeah and they're only going to like point it out in such a way that it's like, you keep doing this. Like, why are you doing this? Like, it's this obviously isn't what you're supposed to be doing. And it's a very kind of like, what's that word when you're talking about? Condescending. Mm-hmm. It's a very condescending tone mm-hmm. to it. Um, there's this quote from um, a saint in the making. Uh, well, she's beatified. Blessed Imelda Lambertini um, said, can anyone receive Jesus into his heart and not die and what i think that means is not only are we all gonna die like literally die but we are called to die to self in our vocation in life Mm -hmm. in our service in the sacraments like they're all about especially baptism like you're plunged into water and you're reborn and it's supposed to be this death and life symbolism that you are actually going into the tomb and rising with jesus christ as a new creation in your baptism And the recognition that happens is that this life is not about you. Yeah. That you need to die to the things that you want, the things that you desire, the plans that you have, the things, the ways that you think that you're better or God should have called you to that to realize like God doesn't make mistakes. And if God allowed things to unfold in such a way where that person is where they are and you're where you are, there's a reason for that. And you can spend your whole life wondering why everyone else is where they are 
and get to the end of your life and realize like I spent so much time doing that that I wasn't faithful to where I was called to be and what a tragedy that would be Blessed Mother Teresa, or no, she's not Blessed Mother Teresa. She's Saint Mother Teresa. Yeah. I don't know why I, I wrote it this way. Um, but she said this, we are at Jesus's disposal. If he wants you to be sick in bed, if he wants you to proclaim his work in the street, if he wants you to clean the toilets all day, that's all right. Oh. Everything is all right. We must say, I belong to you. You can do whatever you like. And this is our strength. And this is the joy of the Lord. It's such a good reminder that like, it's not about us. And if we complain because maybe our pride is threatened or because we feel like we're not getting the recognition that we're due, um, to realize that that's causing division. Yeah. And anything that causes division or subtracts is of the devil. There's that, there's that um, not to call you like a devil if you tend to do that, but like there's that saying that says, <laughs> um, Jesus adds and multiplies while the devil subtracts and divides. Um, and you see that like in our culture, you see all these subdivisions of categories of people, like you have to belong to this group or identify in this way. Um, whereas if we're really seeking the Lord, like our gifts are multiplying, like we're adding to our community, we're seeing and recognizing Jesus working in other people and other places. And it's not threatening to us. We're validating it and we're saying, praise the Lord for what you're doing. Mm -hmm. Praise the Lord for who you are, because that's bringing me closer to God because Mm -hmm. I see him at work in you. And yet that's such a difficult thing for our culture because we want to be the people who have the glory. We want to be a person yeah. and we want to be the, the person that's noticed. And blessed Kiara is the one that also says, you know, all for you, Jesus, yeah. for you, Jesus, for you, Jesus. And that reminds me of how, you know, we cannot, like you said, be condescending. We can't be judgmental. We can't be looking at what the other person is doing and um, complaining about it on top of trying to think that we are better than that, but just saying, I'll free you, Jesus, in my own place you have called me. And this is where I am. I'll free you, Jesus. Mm-hmm. That's so beautiful. And it's that Mother St. Mother Teresa, the quote you said, just reminds me of just us giving, this like visual of us just laying down everything that we have, all of our complaints, all of our desires, all of the things, and saying, here it is. This is all yours. Do with me what you will. And just yeah. like... Allow me to be a vessel. Allow me to be a tool that you can use to um, glorify you and to get others to heaven. And however that looks, whatever that looks like, it's hard, but I'll for you, Jesus. Yeah. And if you want to pray that into your life in the words of Mother Teresa, look up the prayer of abandonment. Mm-hmm. That um, is, is words that she wrote. And there's a song that actually... Um, someone set music to, to the words of that prayer, but it's um, prayer from Mother Teresa. Um, and lastly... And this, I think, is very much in the spirit of Mother Teresa as well. Um, We complain when we see injustice. And now this isn't something that's necessarily bad, but just complaining about it and be like, oh my gosh, it shouldn't be this way, blah, blah, blah. Like that's, that's not helpful. And that's very much our political discourse these days is like everyone is just like whining and complaining about things and nobody's doing anything. Um, there is a lot more activism, I think, recently in the political world in the last two or three years than there has been in previous years. Um, but a lot of it is oriented just toward gathering together in a group to complain. Yeah. And I don't know if petitions are being signed. I don't know if people even know or read through the laws that are being proposed that they're either debating or, um, or trying to be an activist for. Themselves. Educating themselves. Yeah, and it just seems to be like... Oh, there's a, like, I keep seeing things about, there's a campus walkout about this. Yeah. And everyone's going to walk out of their classes at this time. We're all going to assemble in this area um, and paint signs and raise awareness. And it's like, well, the flyer itself just raised awareness. 
Um, so what else are you going to do? You know, like what's the next step? And, you know, some universities or some places that do that have gone that extra step, like go um, sign this petition, be educated. There are going to be people there about this issue telling you, it might be a lecture, or there might be a speech or something like that. But in the end, like we need to respond to injustice with more than just empty words. And in Acts chapter six, um, in the early church, um, it says at that time, as the number of disciples continued to grow, the Hellenists... The Greeks complained against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. So these people who were like classified as being outside the church or being uh, in another culture complain and say like, hey, the widows aren't being taken care of. And so the church responds and they appoint deacons and they appoint the first deacons uh, to their specific job is to care for the widows and those who are forgotten. Um, And that's really a response. Like the complaint isn't just empty words. It's like, I'm going to go to someone in such a way that some action can be um, created as a response or as a result of this. Yeah, what we're seeing, what we're seeing though, is especially you know with the stuff that's going on with walkouts or whatnot. If you do something different than what the majority of society is doing, what I've seen is like other schools are doing. I don't know something that is actually movement. Yeah, and they're getting condemned and they're getting like oh look at this school trying to do this and da 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 it's like whoa 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 there's yeah. still we're still in the like we want the best for everybody and we want this good and they're just doing something that's a little bit different and we're now looking at them and shaming them because mm-hmm. they've done something that's actually movement yeah instead of let's all be the herd the sheep not pay attention to what everything is actually saying or yeah. what the underlying reason is yeah and why, and then moving on it, but we're just going to do all of the same thing. And if you are outside of that or you do something different, shame on you. How horrible. Yeah. But I think also like the recognition that, like say you you see of some big injustice on the other side of the world, like there, you don't have to get on a plane and go be a missionary and go fix it yourself. Um, that praying is an action. And sometimes people don't think that and they criticize people. I remember recently, um, it was a Kevin Smith, I think is like a director of like, um, certain uh, superhero movies and stuff like that. He got diagnosed, I think with really bad cancer and Chris Pratt tweeted like, Hey, I don't know you, but I really have a lot of respect for you. I want you to know that I'm praying for you. And he got all this heat on Twitter Mm -hmm. for people saying like, what you're just gonna pray like prayer's not gonna do anything like actually back it up with action and it was i was like what do you want to do like go put some gloves on and suit up so he can (laughs) perform a botched surgery on a guy he's never met before like prayer is action yes and when people are talking about this stuff and whining like what a big difference it would be like hey guys like i feel a real spirit of heaviness about this like and there's nothing else we can really do right now except why don't we just pray And to just sit and pray. And there have been times when we've been in ministry gatherings where we've been talking to other youth ministers and just stuff comes up or issues come up and there's this heaviness and we just pray. Mm -hmm. And there is a visible difference and a felt tangible difference in the room after that happens. Mm -hmm. And that does do something. Um, First Peter chapter four, verse nine says, be hospitable to one another without complaining. And that hospitality, I think is one of those things that like we can welcome people in their discomfort, in their struggle, in their desire to meet injustice with action in the world. And we can do it without complaining, but we can uh, respond to them with hospitality by meeting them in that conversation, by praying with them. Um, if it's an issue that needs awareness raised that we can educate ourselves and not just 
yell uh, on a street corner with a bullhorn, or, but we can have it in small conversations when it comes up, when it's that time of year to vote, um, putting stuff on social media in a respectful way and just say, hey, if you guys haven't heard of this bill, uh, here's something to be aware of. Um, here's This is how I'm going to be voting because I've read it this way. Not to cause a debate. And, you know, if you have like, uh, if you have a response to this, like I'm not trying to debate, please de- like direct message me if you have questions to not create this whole like, opportunity for people to be like, well, I think you're wrong because I know everything and I'm a blah, blah, blah. Um, (laughs) But that was my my impression of an internet troll. Um, You know, what happens is when we complain, when we just complain about these things, um, yeah, you might bring attention to the issue, but it also can become obsessive and it can become this kind of political extremizing issue. You know, the media, it wants you to believe that the extremes of every issue are the only things that are true. And our job when we're um, being activists and raising awareness for injustices in the world is to see where the truth lies. And it's normally not on either side. It's normally right in the real world, in the gray area where everything happens. And to invite people into that in a moment of prayer or a moment of, hey, could you donate to this cause? Or, hey, I want to raise awareness about this. Can you share this with one other person? Um, St. Lidwin of Shidam said, uh, admire the goodness of the creator who causes the one to suffer in order to free the other. And I think a recognition, again, not everything in the world is going to be rainbows. Um, and sometimes the recognition that other people are suffering can be the freedom that someone needs to experience from their own pride, from the, the reality that like, I'm not the center of the universe and I need to go do this. But if we're just sitting and complaining about it and then going to either end of the political spectrum or the spectrum of that issue, then we're not really servicing anyone. If we're, if, but if we're walking toward them with a hand outstretched and saying, hey, I want to meet you here in the gray area. What can we do about this? Um, sometimes it's just going to be prayer. Sometimes it's going to be a conversation. Sometimes it's going to be um, research and education. Sometimes it's actually going to be donating or getting on a plane and going and doing mission work. Like there are a lot of different things that we can do. Um, You know, going to your church and saying, hey, Father so-and-so, like this is an issue that's been up in the media. I don't know if you've heard of it. Would you be willing or would you be willing to let me share a little bit about this during the announcements or for you to share it during your homily because it applies to the readings this Sunday or getting something in the bulletin or whatever it might be like, to allow that to not just be something that we sit in. And that I think is the point that like if we're just sitting in these issues, sitting in our own insecurity, sitting in the inconveniences and sufferings of the world, sitting in this idea that the world should be just about us or sitting in the fact that the world isn't the way that it should be and there's nothing that I can do about it. then you're just going to be sitting on a very gross, uncomfortable couch your entire life and you're going to get to the end of it and realize I spent so much time complaining and whining that I never spent any time doing what I was called to do in the body of Christ to heal those injustices here in my local area and to serve God here where I'm called to be in such a way that I can complement the body of Christ for the people who are doing that in those other areas of the world. There's a really good example of that. Um, (laughs) It is probably in the most unlikely place, but Grace Anatomy, um, (laughs) sorry, there was a recent episode that just came out, and if you've never watched Grey's Anatomy, um, I'm not saying go watch it, but there was this, there's April, one of the characters on the show is like the token Christian girl who has done this spiral down um, after a lot of different things happening in her life, and this recent episode is her showing her spiral and showing how she's like hit this rock bottom, and she has this conversation with 
this gentleman, um, and he's trying to figure out, like, she used to be this bright, happy woman. And he's like, you are not the same woman. You're, like, a shell of that woman. What is the deal? Wait, let me figure it out. And he starts throwing off all these things. And finally, he gets down to, oh, it's your relationship with God. You don't believe in God anymore. You're no longer Christian. And she goes, no, I just wish he was dead. Mm. And it's this idea that, and this complaining, and this pain, and this suffering that breaks my heart because... A lot of us have gotten to this point where we are just in so much hurt and we've complained and there's this injustice that we see in this life that um, there's so much evil and hurt and pain and we feel like we can't do anything about it and God has just is just this like removed figure that doesn't want healing for us. Yeah. And it's this pr- example that was so good of how we can sit in that and be so angry at God and so mad at God, but not seek out the beauty and the good and the why behind everything that is happening, or even recognize that we live in a very broken world that's not going to be just. Yeah. But our God is just, and that there will be justice in the end. And it's just, we can't, it's just, um, <laughs> we can't sit in it and we can't just wallow in it because it will take us down and it will cause our sin to be multiplied and it will cause our pain to be multiplied because we're not seeking the joy. Yeah. So if you're feeling that insecurity creep up and instead of complaining about it, recognize that if we criticize, uh, we're probably triggering someone else's insecurity or wherever that criticism came from, from another person is probably coming from a similar place of insecurity. Mm -hmm. If you're looking to complain because there's an inconvenience or a suffering in your life, maybe ask what is God trying to teach me through this? Or what can God bring out of this? How can I use this as a, a light for other people to show how they can heal from it? If it's your own pride, recognize like, maybe my life isn't just about me. Uh, instead of just sitting and wallowing in that and praising other people for the good things that they do. Because the more we ripple affect the positive things, other mm-hmm. people will start doing that as well. Mm-hmm. And that goes into injustice. Don't just sit and complain about the things of this world not being as they should. This whole world is not as it should be. But recognize instead, how can I make it a little bit closer to the world that God wants it to be? Um, There's one particular saint that really edifies this whole, or personifies this whole aspect of not complaining. And who is that, Jenna? It's Saint Joseph. Of course. (laughs) Which is actually, it's his feast day today. Um, The day day that we're recording, not the day that this podcast will come out. So March 19th is Saint Joseph's feast day. It's also May 1st. Um, Saint Joseph is the patron saint of the Universal Church, the unborn children, um, of fathers, workers, travelers, immigrants, and a happy death. Um, Now, Saint Joseph never said anything in scripture. scripture. We have no recorded words whatsoever. Zero. So it's not like I'm going to be like, and Saint Joseph said. Quote, dot, 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 end quote, Saint Joseph. (laughs) That's it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So we don't really know a lot other than what we have seen him do in scripture through action. Um, But we do know that he was a carpenter. He obviously was the husband of Mary. He was the foster father of Jesus. We know that he wasn't rich because when they went to the temple to sacrifice, typically the sacrifice was a lamb, but it was allowed if you didn't have enough money that you could sacrifice two turtle doves, and that's what they did. So we know kind of this gist of what their life looked like, Mm -hmm. um, that he was a holy man, that he was a man that desired to follow God because in... um, in the Bible, it says, it calls Joseph just. 
which doesn't mean that he was um, paying his debts, he was giving his dues, but in fact that when they use that word that um, a man is just, it's that he's holy because he's open to everything God has to offer and the mm. plan that God has for him. And so when they call Joseph just, that's what it, it means, that he was a very holy man open to God's will and desire. And we see that throughout scripture of when um, Joseph is talked about. We see that when he finds out that um, Mary is pregnant, he's unaware that it, the Holy Spirit, you know, gave Mary this gift of Christ. Um, and so it says that he wants to quietly divorce her and basically like send her off so that she won't be stoned to death for mm-hmm. um, adultery. And so we know automatically, like, okay, he's a good man that desires good. And it's just, in, you know, in his mind, yeah. a broken situation that could be very harmful to this young woman. Um, and so this angel comes to him and tells him, no, 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 the Holy Spirit came over her. This is what's going to happen. You're going to be the father, the foster father and care for them and carry them. And throughout the whole story of, um, Mary and Joseph and Jesus, we see that every time that, um, danger comes, Joseph immediately like scoops them up and moves. Like he is just a good father that just wants to carry and keep them safe and protected. And he's been given this job that is, it's not necessary for him to have like this great amount of wisdom that mm-hmm. is bestowed, um, through the, through voice, but through action. Mm. And so St. Joseph, um, has been known to be a lot of saints, um, like patron saint or the saint that they pray to because mm. we know that he is a protector and that he is one that is a, a father figure that um, wants to carry us. And that's why he's the patron saint of the universal church because if he was so good at protecting Mary and Jesus, why wouldn't he be, be like the patron saint of our church yeah. and bestowed that um, that gift of carrying us, the church, the family, and protecting us and carrying us? Um so it says that, you know, tradition holds that um, Joseph probably died around the time that Jesus was doing his ministry because Mary went along with Jesus and followed the ministry. And we see her throughout some of those stories. So sometime between Jesus there. was 12 and 30. Yeah. Somewhere in that point. He was, he probably passed away um, because he wasn't in those stories. And then um, we also see that at the cross when St. John is gifted um, and entrusted with the care of Mary, that indicates that G- that Mary was a widow and that she had no children mm-hmm. um, to take care of her. And so he wasn't around during that time. And so yeah. Christ bestowed that gift to John. Um, but St. Joseph is such a force and he's so good and he just wants to um, be a secondary, like, um, come on words. Spiritual father. Spiritual father, thank you. To us and to protect us and to guide us. Um, especially if, you know, for you, Matt, for being a father and yeah. to pray to and to be guided by um, just that quiet beauty and courage and grace that St. Joseph had. Absolutely. My favorite title for Joseph is Terror of Demons, which is you know, so true. Even in his silence, his action speaks volumes. Mm-hmm. And if anyone had more reason to complain... It was someone who was constantly reminded of his humanity by being surrounded by the two people who never sinned that walked this earth. But he didn't. And so, St. Joseph, we ask that you pray for us. And St. Charles Borromeo, pray for us. us. Uh, Thank you so much for listening. Please, if you want to support this this 
podcast on Patreon. You can support us for as little as $1 a month, and we'll give you a nice little shout-out on the air. And as we get more merchandise and things, we will continue uh, to do that. Also, follow us on Instagram. We're going to start doing... um Find new things like giveaways yes. and live um, Instagram live. So check that out if you are not following us on at Man of Food for Thought on Instagram. Yep, and on all of our other social media, like, follow, share um, this episode with anyone that you think could benefit from it. Please rate and review the podcast if you haven't yet. And until next time, we will see you in the Eucharist. Bye. Bye. Bye.